0: Welcome to the Life Cycle Lady Podcast, the place to be to talk about all that we wonder, whisper, and wish we knew about our bodies, hormones, and life cycle changes. In this space, I offer vulnerability, wisdom, connection, and helpful transformational mind-body-spirit tools. Please join me as I take the stigma out, stop the whisper, and speak out loud. Welcome everyone. Um, welcome to episode number 17. I am joined today by a very special guest. Ms. Lacey Broussard is a certified coach, tantric coach, jade egg, and sexuality teacher. Lacey uses deep transformational tools and techniques based in modern coaching modalities, ancient tantric wisdom, and Taoist principles to help women reconnect with their sensual selves after becoming mamas. Get confident in your sexuality and experience deep intimacy and connection with their partner. I'm super excited to have Lacey on for lots of reasons. One, I think she's going to be an amazing resource for you all. Another one is because I get to reconnect with her. And also, we all get to learn from her, myself included. So I'm super, super excited to have her on today. Hi. (laughs) Hi. so today I am really, really excited. Like I can't even tell you how excited I am. When I first started thinking about a podcast, I thought the, when I visioned who I wanted to talk to, Lacey was number one on my list of people to talk about, to. Talk to. Um, so I get to share with you all the wise woman wisdom from this amazing woman. Um, so I think everybody out there knows that when I talk to, when I talk in this podcast, I talk, I talk a lot about the whispers that everyone t- shares with me, but what you all don't know is you're all saying it. And so if you all could hear these things, you would all realize that you're all saying the same thing. So one of the very biggest questions I get asked is about sex. Um, uh, the whispers of the questions, and it's always after, it's after a class I teach or it's after you know, three weeks later, someone will drop in my inbox and it's, it's always, it's often about sex. Um, the questions are like, why don't I like it? Um, I'm, why am I always so tired? Um, it it must be my stage of life. Can you help me with this stage of life? Which basically means I'm blaming this on my hormones. Um, and a lot of times people say, does it really matter? Does it matter? Why does this matter in my life? And once I even got a question, this was back when I was a midwife, of what does an orgasm feel like? And I remember it was her six-week postpartum visit, and the mom said, and we were done, and she was kind of still sitting there. And I knew she wanted to ask me something, and she just, she eventually, she was very, very um, religious. She was uh, raised fundamental Christian, and she said to me, this was after her sixth kid, she said to me, so I just want to ask you, what does an orgasm feel like? And I was like, oh my goodness gracious, this this is a conversation we really need to have. So she stayed an extra two hours crying and we talked about this, but it's such whispers, like all of these conversations is whispers. So today at my conversation, I kind of want to bring us back on a path of embodiment and a path of like breaking some of these whispers down. So you're called the multi-orgasmic mama. And so I kind of want to, for those out there, maybe who aren't familiar with you yet, and after this podcast, I'm sure they're going to want to come check you out, but I want to let people know that you've been on a journey as well, that you're just, you weren't just born the multi-orgasmic mama, that maybe you also have had some of these whispers or your own internal whispers at some points of your life, and I'm just wondering if you can share a little bit about your own history and why, why you're doing the work that you are with women
1: yeah for sure well i was raised uh, right outside of new orleans louisiana Southern baptist and when i was growing up it was all like your body was not good like it's you know you'd walk around naked after getting out of the bathtub and my parents would fuss at me like oh my god go get clothes on now you know like oh it was such a terrible thing to be naked and just those messages that we get growing up, you know, they they compound and they come. They like your body holds that as trauma inside. And what happened for me is that I ha- I was always orgasmic. Like I remember having an orgasm from hugging a guy when I was like 17, (laughs) just from hugging him. I had such a crush on him. And I remember, oh my God. Okay. Yep. That's an orgasm. And, you know, so I've always been like orgasmic, but what really hit me was that when I had my first baby unassisted at home, it was an insane experience. Like, you know, obviously birth can be can bring up a lot. And what it brought up for me was that everything I'd been taught about my body being wrong and gross and disgusting just came crashing down. It was like, okay, clearly y'all are wrong. <laughs> I don't quite know what's right yet, but my experience so far has proven that my body is amazing, that it does amazing things without me having to think about them. And that kind of sent me on a journey. And after I had my second baby and uh, got married for the second time, I, um, I started to realize that maybe I was a little more shut down sexually than I thought I was because I thought I didn't have a problem. I thought, well, I have sex, I want sex. Like my desire is fine. Like I, I want it yeah. and it's okay. But there was something about our interaction in our sex life when my second husband and I were together that I started to realize, okay, it's happening the same way almost every single time, there isn't much variety going on here, I can only orgasm in this one particular way and it's super frustrating, maybe there's something to this. And that's when I got introduced to the jade egg practice, which is, you know, an ancient Dallas practice, where you use a nephrite jade egg stone you put it in your pussy and you do different squeezes and releases and breath work practices with it. It's basically like yoga for your vagina. Mm-hmm. So I discovered that practice and it changed my life. I had no idea how shut down I was until mm-hmm. I tried to put a jade egg and I self pleasure, masturbation, like I hardly ever did it. You know, it was just, I, I'd always been with a man And I was always satisfied with just that. So I didn't recognize the value of like having a sexuality for myself. Mm -hmm. And when I learned the j practice, within a couple of months of doing it, I just woke up in the middle of the night, you know, that half awake, half asleep state. And I literally felt all of the guilt and the shame around Mm -hmm. sex and my body. And like, it was just leaving my body. And I wouldn't say that's like, an experience that most women have with doing the JDAG practice. It's just like, that's how it unfolded for me for whatever reason. Um, so right after that happened, I became extremely multi-orgasmic and I started having all sorts of different types of orgasms and feeling like, well, I mean, in Tantra, we call it like a Kundalini awakening, right? Like your Kundalini energy is waking up inside And that's what was happening. And I didn't know what was happening until, you know, I started talking to my teacher and then I went and did a whole uh, tantra course and became a sex love relationship coach and did like a year and a half of training for that. And then it just like with all the training that I did, I was like, wow, I think the problem here is that women just think that it's normal to not want sex. (laughs) And it's just like, you know, my sex life is just fine. Thank you. You're like, I don't need help with that. And I'm telling you, you don't know what you don't know until you have it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's a little bit about my journey.
0: Yeah. That's exactly true. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's fine. Like you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what's not a part of you. What's not part of your life and you can blame it on all the things of I'm too tired. I'm too this, this and that or, you know, real trauma. Like there's a shit ton of trauma out there in regards to sexual health and just sexuality. Like there's the trauma of just our cultural programming and then there's like trauma, trauma. Um, But I just feel, um, and, and I'm on my own path, you know, in terms of sexuality, we are missing out on so much. And if we don't put attention to it, then it's never gonna change right? If we don't give it the space it needs in in our life, like you have, then yeah, we're always going to just be wondering what this part of our life could have or should have been. Um, and so one thing that you've been talking a lot about lately, and I've actually shared a lot with people recently about this, um, but you talk a lot about pleasure. And I was at a women's circle recently, and we I brought up the topic of pleasure um, because for me that word makes me want to shut down. I'm like, what the hell is pleasure? Like what, what is that word pleasure? Like what does that even mean? And it brings up a lot inside of me, like a lot inside of me. Like, is it okay to have pleasure? And is it, I I, like, I can't even touch that word. Like, I don't know what that means. And so um, when we were talking in, in my women's circle, there was a lot I mean, we were all in the same boat. It was like we all were just like, what? I mean, we've all we all have sex, we all have orgasms, but the word pleasure is, is a, is very like, out there for us, right? Um, and so, for me personally, um, pleasure is a mantra that I now use before I have sex. It has become kind of my internal dialogue of like, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this for pleasure. I'm doing this connection. I'm doing this like, and it has opened up a lot of me in me, but I I just want to know like, what is, what is this word mean for you? Like, how do you see this word in the, in the women you work with and and in your experience? Like, can you help us touch it a little bit more?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, pleasure is healing. Mm. Pleasure heals. So just because you have trauma doesn't mean that you can't experience pleasure. Your trauma does not exclude you from pleasure. And that's a wonderful thing because pleasure is healing. It's not just your birthright. It's not just how your body is designed. It's designed to receive pleasure. Your clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings and its only function is pleasure. Whereas men's penises only have 4,000 nerve endings and they also use them to pee. So, (laughs) you know, like you, you have, you are the only sex with an organ specifically designed for pleasure. So your body is literally mapped to be a receiver of pleasure. See. So, this it, this shows you, that, okay. Well, clearly, by design of nature, pleasure is meant for you, okay. But more than that, pleasure heals, and I think a lot of people that do healing work or they or they recognize that they need to work on their sex life. If you ever get to that point, because a lot of people never get to that point. But if you've gotten to that point where you're like, okay, there's something wrong with my sexuality, like. I'm not connecting with my partner. We haven't had sex in six months or a year or whatever. Something is wrong. That is not normal. (laughs) Okay. So what, what is it that's keeping that from happening? And most of the time it's because you are shut down and believing that pleasure is not for you, that you're not worthy of it, that it's just something for men. It's our conditioning and it's our trauma. So I like to to say that healing this area of your life, your sexuality happens on four different levels. Okay, your conditioning, your mindset, which if you are raised super religious, your mindset is probably really fucked up around pleasure and sex and orgasm. <laughs> um, so conditioning, mindset, trauma. So the actual trauma that lives in your body and then the body itself. So the trauma that lives in the body, we have to get it out. Like the conditioning gets locked in your body as shutdown of desire. And that's what I work with mainly around women is desire and experiencing more pleasure. Because like you said, pleasure, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Because we're so conditioned to think that it's not for us, that we don't deserve it, that we're not worthy of it. So what do we become? We become over caregivers, over caretakers. We are stuck in this paradigm of self-sacrifice for our kids. We become the Pinterest mom trying to do everything, signing up for all the volunteer shit, doing all the bake sales, doing all the freaking things. And we forget to follow and to pay attention to our bodies and check in with like, do I actually want to do this? Is this actually a hell yes? It's probably not, (laughs) like most of the time we're saying yes to things that aren't in our pleasure and that don't light us up. And what happens when we do that? Resentment. Mm -hmm. And when we get resentful, our relationships deteriorate and we often end our relationships and we, or we end up having an affair or wanting to or fantasizing about that one guy that made you feel things. (laughs) <laughs> that you no longer feel with your current partner, or you end up sick and you end up um, with breast, ovarian, cervical cancer, endometriosis, all sorts of other sort of female health issues because resentment, that's the energetic cause of those things and shutdown so uh, stuck and stagnant energy in our female sexual organs is what causes dis-ease in our female sexual organs. So if you are blocked from pleasure, no wonder you're experiencing disease there.
0: Yeah. That's a lot to take in. Um, Can you believe that I have been a midwife for Over 15 years, and I did not know that there was 8,000 nerve endings. I just wrote that down. I was like, what? 8,000 nerve endings? How did I not know that? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) ma'am. And it's also interesting when you talk about pleasure as healing, because when I was grappling with this idea of pleasure, right, that you keep throwing out there that I see in all your social media, um, when I was doing some journaling on it, one of the things that was that I wrote that was keeping me from pleasure was pain because I feel like, and I, and I have gotten to this place of pleasure now. Um, I still feel a little red when I say it, but when I was getting there, the conversations that I needed to have and the digging, felt it was very painful, right? So to get to that pleasure, I kind of had to experience some of the pain that I was pushing away. Um, In order to then be able to receive that pleasure like I had to wade through what was there to get to the other side and I think that that I know I'm not alone in that but a lot of people don't want to do that (laughs) like they don't want to go to those painful places because they don't know it's like labor right it's like fuck it's it's quote-unquote painful um, I have had b- births that were not painful and I've had births that were painful, but either way, the end result is the same. And, and for me, what it was, was I was fighting against some of the later labors and some of them I just surfed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think being able to get to that pleasurable places is having that relationship with what's in the way of the pleasure in some ways.
1: Yeah. And the things that are in the way of pleasure are all of the four things that was yeah. telling the conditioning, yeah. the mindset, the trauma, and it being physically stored in your body. So how do we get past those blocks? Well, you got to work through all those things. Yeah. But the thing is that that work does not have to suck. It doesn't have to be like going to therapy for 10 years and digging through your past. that is one way that you can begin to heal but like when you're reclaiming your sexuality and working on your sexuality it's more about like getting back in touch with pleasure (laughs) so because pleasure heals your sexuality so you know it's like You know, like the chicken or the egg first. You just you just gotta go for the pleasure and you gotta rewire your mind into new pathways and new neuronal pathways. And that's how you can become orgasmic in different ways too. You know, for any of you that have never had an orgasm or aren't sure if you've ever had an orgasm, all it is is removing the blocks. You were born orgasmic. You were born multi-orgasmic. You learn to not be that. And I think that's what women don't understand. They think that they're just inherently broken or that they, they have to learn something new. You're not learning anything new when you start to make pleasure a priority. You're not learning anything new when you want to you know, have an orgasm for the first time or you want to become multi-orgasmic. All you're doing is removing blocks to yes. your natural state.
0: Yeah. So what about all those women out there that say, "No, I'm, that's not true. I'm not I'm not really moving blocks. I just have a hormonal I have hormonal issues." Like what do you say to those people? Cuz there are a lot of those those moms out there. <clears throat> well,
1: that is a big one that I hear a lot as well. But it's just my hormones. It's not your fucking hormones 99% of the time. <laughs> and I know you talk about that a lot, so I'm not going to go into that or yeah. why. Yeah. But here's my take on it, okay? there's a difference between libido, desire, and arousal. Women 99.9% of the time don't have a problem with libido because libido is your physical sexual health. Are you making the hormones necessary in order to feel turned on? Most of you probably are. And if you're not, you're probably doing something about it. That's not the problem. The problem is that you don't have desire. You lack desire for sex that is completely different desire is the emotional connection the feeling of being worthy of pleasure of worthy of taking the time for yourself to have it of connecting with your partner taking time for yourself and it's it's how you feel about your body like do you feel disgusted by your body? Do you feel like you can only have sex with the lights off or with a shirt on? Like that's going to shut down your desire. And then there's arousal, which is understanding what your body needs in order to get turned on in the first place. And arousal is different every day for women because we're Mm.
0: cyclical.
1: We're cyclical creatures. So depending on our hormone cycles, you know, what's where we're at in our cycle, our arousal pattern is going to be different. And the problem with desire and arousal is that the problem with desire is that there, this is because of emotional and intimacy blocks. People want to count on sex to be the door to intimacy. That's not the door to intimacy. Mm -hmm. It's the other way around. First you have to develop intimacy and connection skills, and then you can have sex to enjoy them. Yeah. But people think that they need to have sex before they can have the emotional an intimate connection and that's not how it works for most women it does for some but not the majority and then the problem with arousal is that women don't understand their bodies they don't understand what turns them on we've only mapped pleasure and orgasm according to men and women's experience of pleasure and orgasm our definition of orgasm is extremely limiting to women's experiences of pleasure and orgasm Because for women, it's not always about a buildup over five minutes that leads to fireworks. That's what men experience. Women have a much more nuanced experience in orgasm than men do we have way more potential to feel different things, to experience like an up and a down and that like, you're getting close, you come back down, you're edging, you know, like, yeah. and in different places in our body, cause we can have cervical, A spot, G spot, <laughs> full body energy, throat, breast, anal orgasms, like all these different types of orgasms are possible for us. So our experience of pleasure is different than what we're taught. So what are our sexual accelerators? What are our sexual breaks? What's going to turn us on? What's going to turn us off really quick? Are we spontaneously desired? Are we, do we need the buildup throughout the day? You know, like just understanding your body in general is arousal and no one teaches you about any of that yeah. <laughs> And sex ed. So <laughs> there's just lack of knowledge and then lack of emotional and intimate connection that causes the most of the problems in our sex life that we hear about. It's not your hormones. <laughs> it's
0: not your hormones. It really isn't. There's no. so many different ways. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you just struck me is arousal is different every day. So I am someone who lives a very cyclical existence. Like that's what I preach. That's what I talk about. It's like always out of my mouth, no matter if I'm around the dinner table or right. It's how I live my life. And still, and I know this, I still get mad at myself sometimes of like, oh, I'm at this point in my, like, why can't I just be turned on right now? Like, I just, you know, why can't I, because there's a certain like five, four or five days of my cycle that I'm just like, I just want to be in a freaking cave by myself. Don't talk to me. Don't like, um. And I get, I get kind of grumpy of that. And I, I, you know, you'll see those memes about like, Oh, I was a crazy raging bitch. And then I just got my per- my period. And it's like, Oh, that's what was wrong with me. Like there's something wrong with that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder how, how do you help women kind of map that arousal or discover that arousal? Like what is a tool or something that you kind of throw out there?
1: Well, it's really just about honoring your body's turn on. There mm-hmm. are times, <laughs> this is, This is the bigger concept here. The bigger concept is that we don't understand sexual sovereignty. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We don't understand sexual empowerment. What does that mean? Sexual sovereignty is my sexuality is for me. And I get to choose when and how I want to engage in a sexual experience with someone else. But ultimately, it's mine. And it's for me to enjoy. (laughs) Like, if everyone were taught that that about sex our world would be my god like so incredibly different right that our sexuality is not for someone else's pleasure it's for ours and ours alone and we get to choose who to share that with yeah and then the other piece is the sexual empowerment understanding when your body is a yes when your body is a no and being able to honor that you get to decide what comes in and what stays out you get to decide but women don't get that like that's like a foreign concept you know like sexual empowerment is something we don't have examples of women being super successful in life and holding sexual power being like sexually powerful and expressed and being super successful and not looked down on by society like can you think of one person besides Beyonce (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe Beyonce is like our only example of like a sexually powerful woman who's also super successful that we don't smash
0: I think of Michelle Obama but yeah why I think of her what I do
1: <laughs> yeah and but yeah like when you think yes. of it you can't think of many people no. at all and that's part of the problem is that we don't understand what a yes is and what a no is in mm-hmm. our bodies self-consent is the first step. Like we talk about consent with partners all the time. I don't fucking care about consent with a partner. If you don't know consent for yourself Mm -hmm. and when you are a yes and a no, then why does it even matter to think about consent with someone else? Like you need to be in consent and cooperation with you. (laughs) So honoring your cycle is about, can I honor and cooperate with myself where I'm at right now? Can I be okay with the fact that I'm not turned on these five days of the month? Why do you feel that you need to, why do you feel the need that you need to be somewhere else other than where you are? And having that self-acceptance and just like being in consent and cooperation with where you are is sexual empowerment. That's being Mm -hmm. able to honor your sexuality, where you're at right here, right now. And be okay with that. There's nothing wrong with you for not wanting sex those five days a month. There's absolutely nothing wrong. And you shouldn't be any other place than where you are. You have to learn to honor that. No. And the fact that you can is a really good thing. The fact that you're like, no, actually these five days, I just, I want to crawl in a hole and and not be around anybody. Good. Do that. Please. Please honor yourself where you're at there.
0: And what, what I found is that when you do that honoring, then when you're on the other side of it, when you're at a different place in your cycle, it's so much more powerful, right? Because the yes becomes so much more yes, when you mm-hmm. let the no actually become a no. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And you're,
1: you're, when you are a, a hell no during those couple days of the month, just watch Like the more that you become like super strong in your yes and your no, the better the sex gets. Because yeah. or with yourself or with a partner, because it's like, okay, you're finally honoring your body. And then your body feels the permission to just release and to surrender to the experience. It becomes easier to do that.
0: Yeah. And you feel more alive, right? You just feel more alive <laughs> when you're able to say the yeses, say the noes and live in alignment with, with your actual body. You feel, I feel alive.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Cause when you're, when you're just saying yes or no out of obligation, which is what most women do, yeah. they will say yes to sex just to get their partner off their back or because, you know, it's been a week and it's time. Yeah. That's what most people do. Yeah. That is not being, that is not living right by life. <laughs> like, like that's not honoring your body. And it does make you feel like you're just going through the motions. And that's that's the opposite of feeling alive is yeah. when you're just going through the motions just to get by. That's surviving, not thriving. And I want you all to sexually thrive.
0: <laughs> it's like so that checking checking another thing off your to do list. Like, yep, had sex this once this week. We're we're good till next week. Rather than and I I've been there in my life for sure. Um yeah. I have 100% been there. And I remember even after my third baby was born, I was like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Hormonally, there's something wrong with me. Like, I have no drive ever. And And then for some reason, an intuitive voice hit me. It was like, oh, you have no desire. So I went and got a book on desire from the library and started reading it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have no desire. And oh, I have no desire because I had a colicky baby and all I did was give, 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 give. And my body was like hold on a minute, <laughs> like, but I could have blamed it on the hormones, and maybe there would have been a hormonal something, right? That we can often find the hormonal somethings. But in, in reality, that wasn't that wasn't the root. The root was the overextension, the overgive, and then the lack of desire. Yeah. That's, I think what most women are experiencing, but no one's talking about that. We're talking about there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with you, right? Right. And
1: as far as like that immediate postpartum, that one year, a lot of women ask me about that. And what I would have to say to that is that that's normal. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with you for not wanting sex the first year of postpartum. Uh, that's normal. It's your biologically, your body's way of preventing another pregnancy. Uh, but it's also like if you are wanting, to have more intimacy and connection with your partner, you need to look at it as an opportunity to do that, to have more intimacy and connection, not sex. <laughs> so, honor your body where it's at. Like, if you're super exhausted and your baby's waking up seven times a night, every single day, well, clearly you're not going to have the energy for sex, okay? Yeah. And this is an opportunity to build greater and deeper intimacy and connection with your partner by learning communication and connection practices that I teach my tantric sex couples. So this is the time where you can learn to really connect on that deeper level to create more intimacy and connection before touching or sex ever happens, or before it's ever even a question. And for women, that's like most of what they need and want anyway. (laughs) (laughs) you know it's not so much about the penetration as it is about like they just want to feel seen and heard and loved and have space held for them and that's why tantra is such a big part of my work because tantra provides a solution like a very practical and easy to implement solution through uh like communication and connection containers like here just breathe this way do this with your partner cycle your breath through each other's pelvic region and then up the top of your head and then send it back like there's so much deliciousness in that and then like communication containers like how to really state your fears desires and loves for each other how to get real and have a deeper conversation other than about the kid or about work like how much are you actually even talking about something with your partner other than kids and work yeah. Yeah. It's time to like deepen that. And that first year postpartum is such a wonderful opportunity to go deeper. Yep. But we don't see it as that. we are like, Oh, we're too tired and exhausted for sex. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Then don't have sex. Let's work on your intimacy and connection until you want sex again.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened to me. We worked on intimacy and connection, which was hard because my husband has a very high drive, but we found a way through it and and then the sex became. it was like, oh, and then he now here's the desire back again. But that's not, we didn't get there for a while and it was great. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that, that keeps coming up for me as we're having a chat is, because part of the work I do is with with girls going through puberty, right? And I even had a conversation with my daughter just this weekend about um, not enjoying being in her own body, right? And we we talked about clitorises and vaginas and all the stuff and there was definitely some tears (laughs) many tears um and i know you have two boys and i know you're talking to them about sex or relationships at least because maybe we're not quite at the sex conversation at nine right nine is your littlest
1: yeah nine and eleven
0: yeah i just wonder how how we do it different like how do we I don't, I don't personally know if that happens in school. That's kind of why I teach classes outside of school, because I can do it a lot longer, a lot more information. Maybe we bring it in school. I don't know. But what, what does that look like? Like, what in your ideal world could that look like for young people to, to continue to feel embodied and feel pleasure and, and to learn about these things in a, in a different way than we all did? Oh. Well, you know?
1: <laughs> the first thing is that you need to do the work. Mm you need to be the embodiment of it. It's one thing to say, "Oh, I want my kid to learn something different mm-hmm. than I did," but did you? Yeah. Did you figure that out for yourself? It pisses me off actually when people are like, "Oh, you know, like teach my kids something different, but but I'm not touching it. I'm not going to do the work on myself. Yeah. I'm not going to fix my own relationship with my body or and my sexuality, but I want my kid to have something different." Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck that. No. Your kid no matter what you teach your kid or what comes out of your mouth, if you are not embodying it and living it, it's going to go in one ear and out the other. <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, I'm from the South, y'all, and I can get pretty, uh, pretty fiery about certain things. And that is one thing that I get fired up about is when a mom comes to me and she's like, oh, I want my kids to like learn that sex is a good thing and, and their bodies are amazing and all that, but, but I don't want to work with you. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, live it. Live it. <laughs> but if you want practical solutions, if you're willing to live it and do the work yourself, then you can start to teach your kids how to do it differently yeah. because they see you living it being the example. Okay. And now remind me of the original question.
0: Again. <laughs> so where this question is coming from is, is again, those whispers. So in classes, moms will often say to me because the girls go somewhere and the moms stay somewhere else and the moms will talk about things like porn often it comes up or how to talk to kids about porn how to social media but a lot of moms will say how do we, what do you think, how do we talk to our kids about pleasuring themselves and masturbation and like sexuality? Like, how do we talk to our kids about that? Because no one talked to us about it. Like they're coming to me to learn how to talk to their kids about their periods and puberty because no one talked to them. And now they're asking me like, and how do I talk to them about, you know, orgasms and things like that? And should I be talking to them? And it's a question I get often. And for me, I'm always like, well, it's kind of like, this is how I do it. I don't know if I'm like, I'm doing the work. So I am definitely embodying it. I'm still on the path, though, for sure. I don't know if everything I'm doing is the best, you know, but I don't know really what to say to them.
1: Yeah. Okay. When you think about what you want to teach your kids, do you automatically censor the fact that they need to learn math? No, because you don't have any negative conditioning around them learning math. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. Do the work yourself. Because if you have done the work yourself, you're not, it's not gonna even be a question about whether or not I talk to them and how to talk. You don't think about, okay, how do I teach my kid about math? Huh. Let me let me figure this out here. (laughs) Like it's so silly to even think that. Like if you were right with your sexuality, that would not even be a thought in your head. You would not even be thinking like oh my God, how do I teach them about sex and pleasure and masturbation? Oh my God. Like it would just happen. You would just do it naturally. And that's what I do with my kids. It just, it's not a conversation. It's not a talk we need to have. It's just a part of the everyday lingo. It's just living it. It's just seeing, oh, okay. My 11 year old, it's like, I don't understand why people want to have sex. Like, I don't get it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, there's two reasons people have sex. 99.9% of the time it's for pleasure. Yeah. Because it feels good. And it's a way to connect with another human. And it just feels good. And the other extremely small percentage to make a baby. Yeah. And, you know, just... It just comes up in the conversation. So if you're if you're thinking about whether or not how do I talk to them about sex, you know, how like I don't even know how to bring this up. That is a sign that you have your own work to do. And when you do that work, it's going to feel natural and really easy to have those conversations because you're not like it's it's okay. You don't have internal blocks anymore. Mm-hmm. So helping them to understand that sex is about pleasure that it's not about making babies it's not about stds and (laughs) like all this stuff like that's what they're going to get taught in sex ed in school they're going to get taught about stds and how to prevent a pregnancy they aren't going to get taught a damn thing about a clitoris and pleasure yeah you've got to teach them that sex is about pleasure and how does that work especially if you have a girl because it's so much more nuanced and different. But if you don't know anything about pleasure for yourself, well, how the hell are you going to teach your kid about it? So, so I'm saying do the work yourself and it's going to be so natural and easy to have these conversations. But we think, oh, well, no, I, it, it's too late for me or I can't fix this part of my life right now or I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the money to invest in this part of my life. No, you do. <laughs> if it's important, you do. <laughs>
0: And what, and what I, what I always tell people is, and then what you don't see is you don't, you don't know what you're missing. And the alive, coming back to the life, like your relationship feels alive. Your life feels like you just feel more alive when you do the work around this stuff. And like you said, it could, it can be pleasurable to do the work also. It doesn't all, all have to be around that pain and trauma and, and deep and dirty. It can be pleasureful along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just did jade Egg work. I didn't do any deep inner work at all because I had already decided in my head that, okay, cool. All my mindset and conditioning was a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> like, I don't know what, what it is from here, but I know that's not true for me anymore. So my mind was already on board. I just had to get my body on board yeah. And the jade egg practice is a super pleasurable practice.
0: So it's an integration tool.
1: Yeah. So it was just me getting it out of my body. So it's one thing that like, I work with a lot of women that are like super feminist, liberal, whatever. And they're like, you know, they, they think they're sexually free and sexually liberated and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You, you know that intellectually, but does your body know it? Is your body acting in coherence with your brain? No, it's not. Not if you're experiencing loss to pleasure. So yeah, doing the JDEG practice is getting it out of your body. And it is pleasurable to do the JDEG practice. And it helps you to have amazing orgasms, better pelvic floor tone, and <laughs> you know, just experience more self-love in your body itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um so what what would you say to a mom who cuz this is I get this a lot like what's what's the point like what's the big deal like why does this I'm doing fine fine <laughs> I love that word fine it's like a key in my marriage when the word fine comes up we know things are not well <laughs> yeah red flag <laughs> <laughs> but i hear a lot i'm doing fine and like my sexuality's fine i have an orgasm maybe we have sex once a week or whatever like I don't know. I, I, I wonder the women out there that are in that because I know there's a lot of you and I'm not trying to like make you feel bad because I've also been there. I just want to know if you have any like advice or like what else out there is there for them? Like, why is this a thing? Why should this be a part of their focus? Like, I believe it should be. You believe it should be. Like, how do we, how do we pull you all in to the sexual sovereignty and empowerment?
1: Well, I think it's just realizing that you don't have to live your life just going through the motions and for a lot of women just knowing that when you work on your sexuality when you make your pleasure a priority what changes well you learn what you want and what you like you learn how to ask for it so your sex life gets better you resent your partner less you become more attractive to your partner or to potential partners. If you don't have one, you're more satisfied in your relationship with your partner and your kids, because you're not secretly resenting your kids because you're over giving and over caretaking and doing all the freaking things for them because you're, you have learned how to say no to some things and it makes you more energized. So what is the biggest complaint of being a mom that, we lack energy. Yeah. Okay. We
0: have horrible boundaries, which
1: is just terrible thing. <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Learn boundaries and then you will have more energy because you will finally start to be able to say no. And it'd be a really empowering choice without guilt, without the guilt. Mm-hmm. So being more energized, more present in your life. Okay. When you have more energy, it takes a lot of energy to be present with someone. <laughs> you yeah. ever notice that? Yeah. Like it's hard because you have to focus. Mm-hmm. You have to focus your attention on one thing right now. And that's that's very energetically draining. So if you don't have the energy because you're saying yes to everything and doing all the things, your boundaries suck. Well, no wonder you don't have any energy and you're never present with your kids. And the feeling of being more alive also, you know, like what you're saying, when you can be present, you get to be and feel more alive because life happens now. It doesn't happen a second ago. It doesn't happen a second in the future. It happens right now. And that feeling of being alive is because you're present. And when you make your pleasure a priority, it's like a cascade of events, you know, like Mm -hmm. and birth and being a midwife is like the cascade of interventions. Well, this is like the cascade of amazing orgasmic things that can happen to your life. If you start, and it starts with just saying yes to your pleasure.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, I got lost in the moment. <laughs> What's next? She got present. <laughs> Real present. Uh, Lacey has really beautiful brown eyes and I am a Sucker for brown eyes. <laughs> oh, they're <laughs> like green, green blue. <laughs> green? Well, on my computer screen, they're totally brown. <laughs> That's crazy. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, talk to me, brown-eyed lady. Um yeah. So I guess the moral of the story for me is all these women out here who are whispering to me these things, and I know you're not talking to other people about it, because most of the time. Many of the times, I am like the first people, or first person that they've even whispered to about these things. Um, so, I just want to tell you all that you're not alone. Like, Lacey has seen it, I have seen it, I don't specifically work with people with, um, that has, have desire or hormone or anything issues around sexuality, which is why Lacey's here today, but, like, you're not alone. And I don't think it's normal. And I think that we've got that from what Lacey said. Like, it's not normal for us to all be that this way. It's not normal for us all to be so busy all the time. It's not normal for us to be living this way that we're all living right now that are that is making us feel disconnected from ourselves and from each other and from our own bodies. And so make pleasure the priority. Like, make it the priority. Grapple with that word. Get flushed <laughs> as I get. Or do whatever you need to do to make pleasure part of your reality and see what happens
1: yeah and and just to riff off of making it a priority women are like well how do I do that yeah yeah great it's uh, like you don't it's not a priority because it's not a habit because you're taught Mm. from earth that you're not worthy of pleasure that pleasure is for men that pleasure isn't for you like that's frivolous I hear that one all the time like when we're going deep into like intermasculine feminine integration work and my one-on-one coaching, it's always like, there's some story that shit has to hit the fan. If you really follow your pleasure, because you can't have both. Mm-hmm. Like something's going to, something bad is going to happen mm-hmm. if you go down the path of pleasure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's like this deep fear that like, your life is just going to fall apart. Like, Oh my God, well maybe, well, what if I unlock my pleasure and I just want to have sex with a thousand people. And what if I unlock my pleasure and my husband's going to leave me because I'm too sexual or, you know, it's like all these fears that it's like totally unbounded fears Mm -hmm. about what's going to happen when you decide that you, that pleasure is important in your life and you need to prioritize it. Yeah. Well, just noticing those fears is a huge thing. Okay, but how do you get out of the habit of of buying into them and keep going down that hole of keeping it on lockdown by staying too busy, by saying yes to everything? So that's how you, you're combating this. That's how you're keeping your pleasure under lockdown is that you keep yourself too busy. You do all the things and you're saying yes all the time. So like the... The opposite of that is learning to say no, learning to get out of that, changing your habits around it. So one mindset thing that you can do is to just put it all over your house, say, where is the pleasure in my Mm. body right now? Not just in my body, but what is the most pleasurable thing that I could possibly do right now? And this is a really good thing to do with your kids because then you can include them in it. Like- then, then they start to ask themselves that, and it makes them feel, oh, okay, I get to pay attention to what feels good to me. Cool. Yeah. So it's having them, like, hey, guys, what's the most fun thing we could do right now? What's the most pleasurable, fun thing we could do right now? And just checking in with everybody, and, like, going with it, even if it doesn't make sense. <laughs> path of pleasure is the path of Shakti, right? It is super tantra geek on you here, but, like, Shakti is the feminine, and The feminine is rather erratic and it just flows. Like it doesn't, (laughs) it's going to do what it wants to do. So it's illogical. It does not always make sense. And you need to become okay with your pleasure not making any sense. Mm -hmm. So even if it's like what comes to you when you check in with your body, like where's the pleasure right now? And your body's like, take a nap. You're like, okay, well, how's a nap pleasurable? well, I don't know, maybe you're going to get a, maybe when you wake up, you're going to feel completely different. Yeah. Or maybe you'll have that lover that texts you like what happened with me a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, just listening and tuning into my pussy. And I'm like, okay, where's the pleasure right now? She literally is like taking a nap. And I'm like, what? It's not, it's like nine o'clock at night. I don't have my kids. It's a Saturday night. I want to go out and have fun and party. And she's like, nope, take a nap. And I'm like, oh my God, this makes no sense. So I took a freaking nap. I woke up at 10 o'clock and a lover of mine texted and he's like, come out with me. We're going to go have fun tonight." I was like, so freaking glad I took that damn nap so I can go out and have some fun. (laughs) You know, it's just like, it's not going to always make sense. You just got to roll with it and trust that your body knows what it's doing. Your pleasure, your pussy knows what she's doing.
0: Yeah. And that all the things that you have to do why you can't take a nap we'll still be there after your nap <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly <laughs>
0: awesome. For sure. um i feel like i could talk to you forever because Maybe. i love this stuff wondering if, if anything the final words of wisdom before we um say goodbye to each other
1: well i just want to pose this question to you yeah. like not you just mm-hmm. little okay. term, but How has banishing, right, It's harsh word, how has banishing or losing touch with that sensual sexual woman inside, maybe before you had the kids or from before the trauma or from before whatever happened to you where you feel like you shut your sexuality down, how has banishing that part of you gone so far Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) how has that gone so far for most women it makes them feel like a part of their life is missing like the feeling that they're broken or that Mm -hmm. they're not whole right Mm -hmm. it's not helping you it's not helping you to stay in that feeling of over giving over caretaking self-sacrificing to try and ignore that nudge inside that says ah, actually, I am a sensual, sexual woman, and it's time to bring her out to play, even though I might be a mom, too, like, Mm -hmm. let's get rid of that taboo, let's get rid of that, that story, because we're only perpetuating it to our kids if we don't, and how has that worked out so far? Probably not very good, so it's time to change that story, it's time to change that, this paradigm, this era that we've, we shut down our sexuality after we have kids that you know we're not worth investing in this part of our life when this is the cause of depression sadness loneliness uh, divorce Mm -hmm. like all of the biggest most painful things in our life are because of our relationships our dissonance in our relationships and our sexuality is the biggest part of our relationships so invest in the help, like, yeah, the steps, go to Julie's workshops, go to do the things because this is the stuff that matters in life. This is the stuff that makes you feel alive and whole again. Like if you want that back, you've got to put in the effort.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, for those of you listening, you can find Lacey at the multi orgasmic mama.com. And I'm also going to drop links below for, a really fun Facebook group that I'm in. It's private. So you can get your whispers answered <laughs> and learn more about Lacey and what she's up to. Um, so thank you very much for being with me today.
1: Thank you for having me on, dear.